0: Hello there! You are listening to At The Well, the weekly Bible podcast that helps you see yourself in the stories of Scripture. I'm Jarell. I'm Charles. And I'm Eli. And you are joining us today for the next installment of our sixth season here at The Well, Worthy of Honor, where we are highlighting awesome women in the Bible to learn all that we can from their stories. And as you know, for every episode this season, we will be joined by a different awesome woman who is currently at work building the kingdom of God. This week's guest is a former journalist and is adamant about paying attention and embracing curiosity in her work as a writer and podcast producer. Her book, To Light Their Way, a collection of prayers and liturgies for parents, releases October 5th, and she writes nuanced, nurturing prayers and liturgies for parents on Instagram and and co-founded the Upside Down podcast, a place for ecumenical conversations on faith and justice. Her and her her pastor husband Johnny live in Iowa, where they're raising four young kids who join their family via birth and adoption. And when she's not playing with Legos with their sons or advocating for her daughter with disabilities, she can be found sipping strong coffee. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, he bears and she bears. Our guest this week is Kayla Craig. Kayla, how are you doing this evening?
1: Oh my word! I love I love that introduction, and I'm so <laughs> glad to be here. And yes, yeah, so much strong coffee making my life possible in the moment. So <laughs> I'm caffeinated and ready to go.
0: <laughs> Very good. I was gonna say we're doing this on a Monday, so the week just kicked off. So how is the start of your week so far? Oh
1: my goodness! Well, the start of my week was amazing and like heartbreaking all at the same time because my co-host. One of my co-hosts for Upside Down Podcast, I just had to take her back to the airport today um, for her to fly out. We had a week like in person, we record digitally and Patricia Taylor, she just has become such a dear, dear friend we had so much fun and we ate so much food and <laughs> laughed and cried. And so, you know, it's bittersweet. It, it, I feel so grateful to have friendships like that. And then also always a little sad when you have to pull into that. Um, departure and arrivals, drive oh. up and, and say goodbye. So <laughs>
0: yeah, especially when because are any of you in the same place? you're all kind no, of scattered, right?
1: All totally, totally scattered. What about you guys? We
0: we all live in Maryland. We okay. we started recording virtually because COVID. Yeah. And then it just became easier because Charles has babies and is also a bit injured right now. So it just oh, made no. the most sense. <laughs> so what was
2: uh, Patricia there for? Were you all just like scheduling a, Hey, let's finally get together in yes, person or what does something like, special?
1: We had just gone through it, you know, like a year and a half that had just been so hard and we had both just walked with each other through so many different changes and um just really like strengthened a really true friendship that started on the internet which sounds so <laughs> weird right? like we have got like we're vaccinated like we have yeah. got to get together and so we just made it happen I just have moved recently into a new house and had been working on the guest room which she now refers to as Patty's room so <laughs> But I was just, she was our first like overnight guest and I like forgot how to act around other humans besides myself and my <laughs> husband. And so I'm sure she's going back home with a lot of stories, but uh, it was really fun. Oh,
0: <laughs> good. That's her. wonderful. Yeah, especially after the year that was like, it's amazing to have, Like, I think we've all become more and more thankful for Zoom and technology in general to have those connections where it's like, oh, we're not just maintaining, we're actually becoming better friends through through the experience. So to do that in person is wonderful. I mean, I can very much relate to not being used to people post-COVID. It took me a couple of weeks
1: yeah. where I realized,
0: like, I feel like I'm really trying hard in conversations, and I still <laughs> feel really awkward.
1: <laughs> it's like my kids were just like, oh, and then they were performing and just being kind of weird. Sure. And was like, this is who we are. We're just going <laughs> to roll with it. Yeah.
0: Charles, you wouldn't know anything about that, would you? I mean,
3: (laughs) you know, what's interesting with children, Aaliyah, my oldest, is uh, turning two this Wednesday and socialization is not something they had before. So she's coming in and we went to my sister's wedding recently and biggest group that she's ever been around at the at the reception and the best man is giving a speech and he's eliciting some laughter from the crowd. Uh, And then after the laughter dies down, Aaliyah, not really knowing what's going on, but wanting to participate, laughs. Very fabricated, fake laugh, but laughs really loudly and cracks the entire reception hall up. so and she does this multiple times so much so that the best man lost his place in a speech stopped mid-speech and just said to the bride and groom because he was so thrown off by my daughter laughing at the wrong time
1: (laughs) that's so amazing though and everybody has that story now right like Yes. It was good. She wasn't crying. She was nope. enjoying herself.
3: And everyone was enjoying her enjoying herself yes. except the best man. <laughs>
1: right. It was it was his moment to shine. He had practiced in front of the mirror and then this little girl, this little adorable girl, has taken away his his Upstaged. limelight. <laughs> yeah.
0: <laughs> Charles, I've seen Aliyah's like I don't know what to do fabricated laugh. It is it is a, it is a time. It's like hilarious. she looks slightly pained
3: and it's the, it's really funny. It sounds slightly pained. <laughs>
0: <laughs> oh goodness. Well, this is a perfect segue because we're going to go into questions of the week. And if you would like to submit a question for us to answer for this segment, you can email us anytime at three guys at the well at gmail.com. That's number three, then guys at the well, all one word and lowercase at gmail.com. And this week's question, kind of, Charles, you, you've got loads, I'm sure, you already graced us with one, but what is something really, really funny that a child has said to you or done in your presence? We've got a mix of experience here, so I'm I'm excited for, for what comes out of this.
3: <laughs> if you ask me in a year or two, I'm sure I will have plenty of stories, particularly from Aaliyah as her speech, her speech is just now coming out and she's putting two words together. So I don't really have anything from Alia. But years ago, when I was visiting uh, in college, I was visiting a f- my friend's parents' house and I was there and we were hanging out and she had a very young uh, uh, sister. She might've been three or four at the time. And I walked in and we were talking, I was talking to her. And at one point she looks at me and she goes, do you taste like chocolate? Oh. Needless to say, not sure. I wasn't sure how to handle that one. I mean, it was hilarious. It was really funny. Her, her sister, my friend, was quite embarrassed. I thought it was amusing, but... Do you remember your answer? Uh, I think I might have said something like, you would think I taste like chocolate, wouldn't you? But I don't.
0: Oh, dear. Imagine being a parent of like, you can't just, what are you doing? You can't just ask people stuff like that. (laughs) Embarrassing me. (laughs) Oh, dear. That's a good one. That's a good one. Dude, I think for me, the one that always comes to mind was my uh, last year student teaching in college. Uh, So I'm like 21, 22. I've got a really patchy beard. This is important. I'm not just including frivolous details. I had like a really patchy beard, but I was working in a high school. So I grew it out as long as I could so that I would like not blend in as much, which still doesn't really work. Um, and so I I walked into class one day and one of my students, um, I believe his name was Ryan. He came up to me and he just, he looks at me like pretty seriously and goes, Mr. M, are you, are you ever gonna shave your beard? And I go, no, I, I probably won't Ryan. Why? Why do you ask? And he goes, good, because it's magical. And then he just sits down as if it was the most normal thing he had said that day. <laughs> <laughs> and I, like, stood there and just was, like, okay. And then, imme- like, I didn't have time to catch my breath. Immediately after he says this, another kid, John, comes in. And John was, like, 13 and had, like, like, just a little bit of, like, peach fuzz. Like, not a beard, just a little bit of peach fuzz. And I, I think he was just trying to say something funny but landed on something really weird. So he just looks at me and goes, he had a very like gravelly voice. He goes, "Uh, Mr. M, we we should touch beards. And I looked at him and I was like, excuse me, John? And he like realizes what he just said. And was like, I'm so sorry. I don't know why I said that. And then sits down (laughs) like ashamed of himself. Your students are weird. (laughs) Very weird. They're like in college now, man.
1: Oh man. I just know that's going to be my kids. Like, someday there's going to be a podcast and they're going to be talking about the weird stuff that my boys have said. Like, I just
0: know it. <laughs> so, let me tell you about the Craigs. I just. <laughs>
2: um, so, Nicholas, the young man that, uh, that uh, Jarrell was referring to earlier, he's 12 years my junior. We feel like brothers, but our moms are identical twins and they had us at different times. And so (laughs) as he was growing up, maybe four or five years old, he, we found out that he was mispronouncing words on purpose. Like, but at first we were like, oh, this is just, this is just cute. He's learning how to say things. That's fine. Um, But one day he was talking about a might be purpose room. And I was like, what are you talking about? I was like and and being where I was at, in my life um 16 I was snotty and I was like just trying to correct him you know it's multi purpose room right say it with me multi purpose and he looks at me dead in my face he says I know how to say it right I'm saying it because it sounds cute oh. and <laughs> and then and then, he,
3: and then he walked away from me
2: <laughs> I felt so defeated <laughs> I just lost the chess game.
0: <laughs> oh, you did. Again. <laughs> Nicholas
3: won, Eli zero. That
1: is so cute. That is so funny.
2: So cute. He,
3: he still thinks about my... that.
2: <laughs> I, yeah, clearly. It's on my mind. <laughs> what about you, Kayla?
1: So my kids used to ride the bus every once in a while and it was more of like an adventure thing for them and less of a necessity thing for us so it was like every tuesday and thursday they ride the bus home and they were like first grade and third grade at the time and they came in and they were like like they were physically you could tell something had gone down on the bus that day. And I'm like, guys, what's going on? And he's like, I don't know. My son, Joseph, is like, I don't know if I can say something. Something happened. Something went down. I'm like, what happened? Like, you can tell me, like, you know, like really preparing myself. And he's like, somebody in the back said the S-H word. And I was like, oh, boy, okay, well, we're not going to say it like, you know, your little siblings are around, like, thank you for telling me. And then the first grader goes, yeah, he said, shut up. (laughs) So I was like, (laughs) So cute
3: oh that's adorable yeah I'm, I'm pretty sure i at one point thought that the sh word was shut up so yeah, I, I get that yes.
1: yeah. like can we just cling to this innocence forever is that wrong yeah. <laughs> But I love that my first grader was like, I'm going to, I'm going to say it. I just have to say it. she <laughs> didn't hear that I said, don't say it. So like, it's not really voting well for the future of our family.
0: But... No, she needs to know. She needs to yeah. know.
1: Yeah. I'm just going to say it.
0: Yeah. <laughs> We've been around the bush. Mm-hmm. That's so cute. Yeah. I'm sure you don't want to sell it as if like, oh, good. It's only that. It's like, oh, oh, well, that is that is bad.
1: Right, just, right. It was like, oh, <laughs> we don't oh, say that. Yeah, we. That's not a nice way to say that.
0: Yeah. Ooh, no. I'm gonna call someone's mom.
1: <laughs> yep.
0: <laughs> oh lordy, the innocence.
1: I know, it's so sweet.
0: Well, we're we're on fire with these segues. So speaking <laughs> of kids, boom. Um, so we. We, um, as we mentioned in the intro, you you just finished a book, It's Light Their Way, a a series of liturgies for parents. Um, So we've been kind of reading through it. And yeah, we had a couple questions for you, if that's okay. Oh, yeah.
1: I mean, I think I can sing it. I think
0: that's okay. Okay, good. So I guess, first, really simply, how did you? go about starting to write liturgies was this like just kind of a facet of your like prayer and reflection time or did it come out of something specific like how did that come to be
1: right um well i did not like i would didn't find myself super connected to like liturgy or like written prayer until um our daughter was really sick and she was in the hospital and i knew that i needed to pray for her i mean she was like on a million um, machines and a ventilator, and it was it was really serious. And I knew people were praying for us. You know, we we had that support. I knew I needed to pray, but I was like exhausted. I was exhausted. I was angry. I was upset. I was confused. Like, how could God allow this to happen? Like, just so many feelings that I just was like, I feel like I should pray, but I don't know how. I don't have the words to pray, and. um I stumbled across this little book of really short prayers. And those prayers kind of helped me like they sustained me and gave me words when I didn't have any words of my own. And so those words kind of became my own, my own prayers, my own offering to God when I felt like I just didn't have anything more to give, you know, so many times in our lives, we just don't have the words and I have found that the words of another you know whether that is a prayer or maybe a song or quote from a movie or a line from a novel you know like there can be so many things that speak to those core experiences and needs and longings um and that's like the body of Christ right like we can give each other our words we can lift each other up in that way you know it's like okay you don't have the words to pray well take mine you know like we, we're, we're in this together and so that's kind of where I at least started feeling connected with more of a, a written prayer um and that's just something that probably came natural to me as, as a writer um but as I was kind of praying one one night for my kids my four kids are all very different They have very different personalities, different joys, different struggles. And I started thinking, gosh, all all I want is for them to know how loved they are, to know how deeply their maker loves them. And I want them to love themselves, love God, love their neighbors. Like, that's really the root of so many of my prayers. And what would it look like to kind of gather up all of that? And kind of create some prayers for other parents, you know, to pray to and whatever they're going through um, and and their journeys. And, you know, like so much of parenting is making a lot of decisions as a family, right? And figuring out who, what kind of family are we going to be? What kind of people are we going to be? What are our values? How are we going to live that out? And as a parent, for me, when I had kids, I really had to figure out if I was going to live those values. Um, and live into them or if I was just if that just was going to be like good talk that I had like good good things I like to hang my hat on but I don't actually want to live into that so that's my hope is that um, this collection of prayers that you know ranges from I'm going on a walk to the time your kid comes home because they had an active shooter girl at school, you know, like a very broad range, um, because God is in everything. And if we believe that God is in everything, then we can pray about everything and God's not scared of our prayers. And um, yeah, so that's a super duper long answer to your question.
0: (laughs) I thought that was very concise. I tend to ramble. So (laughs) no worries here.
2: (laughs) So I'm curious, Kayla, um, you, I, I just finished reading through like one of the prayers before you got on was a prayer for mercy in the mundane. And just like you said just now, like God is in everything and we we have an opportunity to to pray in everything. And so how did you go about determining what to put in? When and where were you thinking about? Like, were you just going through your day, living life and being like, I right, this is actually a time I need to pray. Like, for a book that's so intentional as this, like how do you determine when to start and where to stop?
1: That's such a good question. So I'm always on the go. So I had a notes app and I just started like throwing everything in that notes app, like, oh, this, oh, this, you know? And a lot of it is inspired throughout my day or maybe throughout, you know, something that I knew somebody else was going through because I also thought, well, this, Even if it's something I haven't gone through, it can help bring me into empathy and into compassion for somebody else. Because a lot of times you see somebody going through something and you're like, oh, I'm praying for you, but like, what does that mean? Like, what do you, how do you even know what to pray? Um, And and so that really helps me. And then just kind of narrowing down, okay, well, we're going to have these like few different sections. And then within those sections, what are some of the key things that people might be like wanting to flip through. So whether that's like, you know, kind of these intro things like a birth or maybe it's when your kid leaves for college or maybe, you know, it's honoring Martin Luther King Jr. You know, like there's just so many things. So um, it's hard to narrow down for me um, because God is in all things and we can pray about all things. But I tried to, you know, kind of touch base with other people and see, The things that they were going through too, and kind of those common threads, making sure to to feature that, and then of course just a few random ones that I wanted to put in there. So
2: (laughs) I'm super curious. As you were speaking, I thought, Kayla, who taught you how to pray? Because I think a lot of times, like, like your book is going to be a resource and it's going to teach people how to think through big and small things. I hope it spreads wide. We'll pray for that. I certainly have a copy, so I'm happy about it. But like, who taught you how to pray?
1: Such a thoughtful question. Thank you for asking that. So sweet. <laughs> um, You know, my mom, I feel like I remember she had a crayon and she wrote out the Lord's Prayer for me, like on this big printer sheet of paper. And it was just like, you know what, we're just going to memorize the Lord's Prayer. That was something that she had been taught and something that she passed on to me. And that's something that we're, you know, teaching our kids. Like there's so many different ways to pray. But um, kind of getting that passed on from my mom means a ton. And I think there's so many fingerprints of so many people in my life in, in these pages, um, teachers and, and family members and friends and neighbors. So I'm, I'm so grateful. It's not just, if you walk away from the book thinking like, oh, this is just Kayla, like I've done it real wrong. <laughs> you know, This is, this is really the, the reflection of the prayers of so many people.
0: Man, I love that. Um, yeah, To the point about prayers of a lot of different people, you had mentioned that before we came on and and hear that these are, like some of these things are things that like your kids are obviously too young to have experienced yet. Um, so in this process of not only thinking of just your own experience in the moments where you needed words that you didn't have, but also in like talking to other people as they maybe kind of work through their own thinking or their own questions I'm just curious like what is that process like what was that process like and how is that um impacted you as a parent like have there been things that you wrote from someone else that you've then seen yourself praying after you were like oh goodness they told me about this and now I'm like living it." like what was that like and what has that meant for for parenting since well,
1: that's a That's such a good question too. You guys are like on your A game here. I love it so much. (laughs) Um, You know, I think that a lot of that work is listening and just being able to say, okay, share, share your story with me, share what it was like when you were in this situation, what was going through your mind, you know, and then just listening And not putting my own spin, not putting a churchy spin or putting the right words to it, but just letting them honestly share um, is so, I think, so key to my work. And then what a gift it is to enter into that perspective and try to honor that. Um, And it was, there were some moments that I, I was like deeply, deeply moved as I was writing some of these prayers, you know, writing parents worst fear if your child dies and talking with parents that have gone through that and then you know the the things that they shared were just so it was so holy like it felt like I was being invited into such a sacred um space and I I really pray that I have done that justice because it's really like their heartbeats throughout so many of those things but you know um then I was talking to people that were preparing for their kids to get married or their kids to go to college or kind of all these milestones that mine personally haven't met. And I was like a mess. And I'm an Enneagram eight. Like, I don't, I, you know, I have some boundaries and yet these (laughs) these things are just like cut to the heart, Um, you know, because you just imagine. And something that I was really surprised by is thinking about how my parents must have felt Um, I wasn't ever thinking about that when I was going off to college. I wasn't thinking, wow, this is a big change for my mom and dad, you know, like you're not thinking about that when, or when you're getting married, you're off in your own kind of experience. And so it, it helped me appreciate different moments of, of the parents I know in my life, not even just how I'm parenting kids, but reflecting, um, to
0: the lived experiences of other parents too. Amen. Yeah. That's a, that's a really hard thing to like process, but also it's hard thing to be invited into. Mm -hmm. Uh, And so yeah, just God bless you for like having a listening ear for some of these things is really challenging, but it's such a powerful ministry. I know that, you know, when people don't have words, like being able to look to those things, will be helpful. Yeah. I, um, before we move into the the next section, I was looking, I was like reading I was going like through like part by part because uh, it's broken up into various parts uh, and things that either like my wife and I are considering adoption and I was like reading through that. Um, and then I got to part four, which is just prayers for a weary world. And I didn't I didn't dive too deep into them because again it's one of those things was like, I don't know if I'm in a good enough place to actually like read through some of this, like not even as a, as a father yet, God willing. Um, but yeah, there's, there's so much here that like, like puts a finger on things that aren't often named, uh, in just life as disciples, let alone parenting, uh, just prayers for infertility, prayers for postpartum depression, prayers for child with disability, prayers for job loss. Uh, like you mentioned gun violence in schools, like talking about racism, like things that are so hard to deal with as adults, and I'm sure even hard to ma- manage when you're, uh, a parent. So, yeah, thank you for getting into that. We like, uh, we here um, on this podcast, we like to get into just kind of the heart of things. Mm-hmm. And so it really resonated with me, as I'm sure it's like the guys of just, oh, this actually just gets kind of gets to the point in ways that are difficult, but necessary. Because um, as like you said before, we came on, Jesus is in everything. And I, I'm thankful that this is a resource that will be available that will show people, parents, like Jesus is in everything, even the things that are harder to talk about.
1: Oh oh my gosh. Well, thank you. That that really means so much to me. Like really, really is. Especially as a first time writer, it feels really vulnerable to like put your heart on a page and be like, here it is, you know, not knowing, you know, how I will be received. So anytime anything connects with anyone, it's like a huge win. So thank you for reading.
0: Amen. And so that's, uh, it's like their way. Uh, liturg- I liturgy. I closed the tab. I don't have the full title. It's available October fifth.
1: Yes, uh, to light their way, a collection of prayers and liturgies for parents. Yes,
0: there we go. I botched the admin. Goodness. Well, <laughs> Kyle, okay, I hope you're you're warmed up because we're gonna keep picking your brain uh, in Let's a second go. here. <laughs> so Let's go. this
1: is fun.
0: Yes. Uh, so as uh, listeners know, as you know, we've been doing this season on. Uh, women worthy of honor in the bible and highlighting the stories of uh different women and that is partially inspired by one Our very bougie and um i keep forgetting a new one for you eli are very bougie and uh future barber eli shanklin and <laughs> desire he had um to do this season about a year ago um but it's also inspired by a verse in 2 Timothy, which says that all scripture is God-breathed and useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness, so that the servant of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. And so we, as as three friends who like to dig into scripture as a podcast, really like to get into the meat of things that are often overlooked in scripture. And so the idea that all scripture is God-breathed means even the parts that maybe we don't think about as much. And we recognized, again, a lot of Eli's kind of uh, writing about this brought helped us to recognize that, you know, as guys, we have a lot of privilege in the area of reading scripture because success or failure is largely shown from the perspective of male figures in the Bible. And so there's a, a somewhat disconnect and a blind spot we can have to having the opportunity to learn from women in the Bible. And so if this verse is true... All scripture, we wanted to like set aside time to address areas that, because of uh culture, because of just brokenness in different ways, don't highlight uh stories of women, don't highlight things that you know, as men, we just don't often get the chance to hear from and learn from. And so, before we get into our uh feature uh character for the day, uh, as we left off on a cliffhanger on our last week's episode. Uh, We wanted to hear from you, um, in your experience, what aspects of Christian womanhood or ministry to uh, women aren't seen well or understood?
1: Oh my gosh, where to begin? Well, first, I love that you guys are doing this series and and inviting women on and just kind of getting weird and exploring, you know, because we don't know. There's a lot of women that we don't know about, but then there's also a lot of women that we just don't hear about too. So I just, I love that you guys um, are doing this. And I feel like in my experience, I have been at a lot of different churches, a lot of different traditions. And I just think that there are certain contexts where women are not invited to live into their power, to live into their strength. Like, they have that strength whether it's honored and invited in or not but a lot of times you know we get these messages even as as very young children um the characteristics of of girls and boys and women and men and a lot of times women are just kind of relegated to the back and in some churches they're not even invited up to the platform and so for me um you know i have i've thought well maybe i'm not i'm not quiet enough Like maybe to be a godly woman, I have to be quiet or I can't care about justice issues, which is like so wrong, you know, but that's the kind of messaging that you can get in in different spaces. And it's like, you know, Carolyn Cusses James says half the church, you know, like when we do that, we're missing out on half the church. So um, that's a a short answer for a very long, a a longer answer.
0: So, if you in in your experience have been in different churches and are uh, just involved in different ministries? What does it look like, either, it probably mo- like corporately when, as you said, a church actually invests in and in trusts and empowers women to actually live into their power? Like, what does that look like for you, or like where have you seen that? Well,
1: in the church where I now, our our head pastor is a woman, and that has just kind of fundamentally changed you know my experience because I I really attended churches that are real across the board um but you know for me like they asked me I'm a writer and so they asked me to write something and and share it from the platform kind of like a a poem spoken word type piece about um, a certain section of scripture and just seeing women teach seeing little girls watch women who are leading who are having hard conversations who are not, you know, like women can, you know, have, have luncheons too, that's great. Like do, do what you enjoy. Like we all live together, but like you can also like do a panel about um, racism in our city, you know, that's holy work too. And And so just seeing like where your interests and where your strengths collide, like Jesus is there and just empowering that. And raising that up, um, that has been really great, you know, to me and my writing journey. Um, Having a church that, you know, like, encourages me and my husband is a pastor. And, you know, knowing that, like, both of our vocations are seen as important means a whole lot to me. I, I grew up in a context where it was like, you know, my mom stayed home and, and that was amazing and wonderful. And, you know, she taught me the Lord's prayer is like so significant to me. And so I wondered if I should feel guilty about having, you know, other work that I was doing and, and seeing people come alongside and speak that life into me and say like, actually, like God is in this. Like I see Christ in you when, when you're writing or when you're doing this, when you're leading in this way, that has, that has meant more to me. Like,
2: than I even knew I needed. I think. And so, as a follow-up, Kayla, how how would you suggest or advise that someone um, encourages and empowers a young woman or a woman of any age who like is who has qualities that are seen as atypical for a Christian woman? How would you encourage them to build her up so that she's not like constantly being pressured or falling under the weight of you have to act like this is what it means to be a Christian woman fit into this box how do you encourage her to like go beyond that
1: yeah I think calling out those qualities that you're seeing mm. and seeing the same like that's a good thing you know like yeah. a lot of times my husband will be called like um assertive but mm. I'll be called bossy even though we Mm, might do the exact same thing so I think the language that we use uh, when we're speaking to girls and when we're speaking to women matters a ton Um, and just pointing to other people that have done it I think when we see those mirrors um, that could be that can be so huge and you know like going back to scripture and having a different reading for it and seeing like actually there's some women in the bible and they lived in a real different context than we do and look what they did you know yep. god used them and god can use you and there's there's not like one biblical womanhood example it's that's it's a, all over
0: that's a word i love that you know? <laughs> yeah the the idea of like it's not just like with someone on one of the i can't remember who but someone we talked to this this season um got into that like it's there's no just archetype for this is just this is like quote unquote women's work um and so there's a lot of different women in scripture who speak to very different aspects of god's character because if we're made in the image of god like a, his character have and have is, ex, is expressed through women and through men um and it's not just oh this is what it means like so, you said just be quiet or a broken view like we've talked about i think on this Season a few times, this broken view of like what it means to be uh, submissive or helpmate, um, but really fleshing out the tapestry that is women in the Bible and just Christian women in general. Um, so with that, what we're, we're going to talk about, Jael. Don't worry, we're going to talk about Jael. But what are some some Christian women that you in the Bible that you or just in general that you have found really resonate with the ministries that you're about or just the kind of woman that you're striving to be?
1: Well, I love the midwives. I love the midwives and their subversiveness. And gosh, I could just talk about that forever because I think they were brave. I think they were full of faith. They were willing to um, do something that went against power when it gets culture. Like that, that's wonderful. Um, like jumping across the work of Rachel Held Evans has been really powerful to me and her her work in exploring women and just kind of like peeling back the layers of of how we read scripture and hermeneutics and just all of that. Um, But I also love, you know, like throughout scripture, like I had no idea that sometimes the attributes of God are feminine. You know, I didn't know that growing up and it's like, Oh my goodness. Like I love this imagery of Jesus as a mother hen wishing that he could his people under his wings i mean
0: i'm all about that so yeah we we didn't even think of the midwives for this season lads
2: (gasps) i know yeah next season (laughs) next season i
0: was gonna say if when we get our, our ducks in a row to start playing another season of this we're gonna we're gonna have to put the midwives in there. So it's a standing yep. invitation for when that happens. <laughs> thank oh, you, Kayla. perfect. I'll
1: just invite myself. That's great.
0: <laughs> it's like I, I got some stuff to get off my chest. <laughs> yeah, like I got a few things
1: to say.
0: <laughs> Wonderful. Okay, thank you so much for sharing your insights on that. And I, I know like you've been patient. We're gonna get to Jael, who if you haven't if you're listening to this and you're like, who is Jael? You probably haven't heard of her, but I promise you that after today, you will never forget who she is. So this week's scripture is from Judges chapter 4, verses 17 through 24. It's really fun and unique in that we closed off last week talking about Deborah. And this story picks up immediately after that one. So if you haven't listened to that one, go back, listen to it, read all of Judges 17 up to verse 16 And if you're with us in real time and you aren't driving, you can start turning to verses 17 to 24 now while I set the scene. So if you thought that last week's episode left us on a bit of a cliffhanger, good, because we're going to pick up with the story of Deborah. Now, Sisera, the defeated and humiliated commander of Canaan's army, fled to the wilderness in desperate search of a place to hide and get a reprieve from the battle. Well, soon enough, he found it, or so he thought. However, Sisera had fled away on foot to the tent of Jael, the wife of Hibir the Kenite, For there was peace between Jabin, king of Hazor, and the house of Hibir the Kenite. And Jael went out to meet Sisera and said to him, turn aside, my lord, turn aside to me, do not fear. And when he had turned aside with her into the tent, she covered him with a blanket. Then he said to her, please give me a little water to drink for I am thirsty. So she opened a jug of milk, gave him a drink and covered him. And he said to her, stand at the door of the tent and if any man comes and inquires of you and says, is there any man here? You shall say no. Then Jael, Hebrew's wife, took a tent peg and took a hammer in her hand and went softly to him and drove the peg into his temple and it went it went down into the ground, for he was fast asleep and weary. So he died. And then as Barak pursued Sisera, Jael came out to meet him and said to him, Come, I will show you the man whom you seek. And when he went into her tent, there lay Sisera dead with the peg in his temple. So on that day, God subdued and king of Canaan in the presence of the children of Israel and the hand of the children of Israel grew stronger and stronger against Jobin, king of Canaan until so they had destroyed Jobin. So yeah, kind of hard to forget. Um, <laughs> gentlemen and lady, what can we learn from Jael? Keep it PG, please. Oh my gosh, I love, I love this sort of,
1: I told my husband, okay, I'm gonna go on, I'm gonna talk about Jael, and he was like, like, that Jael? And I was like, oh yeah, like that (laughs) Dale.
0: The very same.
1: (laughs) Yeah. It's so funny because I have a friend and this is her middle name is Dale. And I was like, at the time did not know this story. And I was like, that's a very unique name. Like, where did your parents come up with that? And she's like the Bible. And I was like, oh, and then she told me about it. And I was like, dang your parents had like some plans for you with that middle name (laughs) that's amazing (laughs) (laughs) so not not to not to throw anybody off but um yeah I think this is a this will be a fun one to unpack here
0: just at birth they're like you will subdue nations yes (laughs) (laughs) Prepare yourself
1: I was laughing
2: so hard while you were reading it I'm sorry Jerome but like I'm just imagining her. Shh, shh, it's okay. Come in, come in, guy. Come, take a seat. She. I love how she just ignores his request for water. She's like milk instead. <laughs> Fill you up. Go to sleep. <laughs> and then just very casually, like the first time I remember reading this, it was just like, oh, look how kind she's being. She's going to receive him really well. It's going to be a really a nice time for him. Sister is going to get the. The wait a minute. Oh, she very calmly walked over and hammered this man to the ground. <laughs> That's oh. And it seems, and the way it's written is so matter of fact. It seems like she did it very calmly. And the the trouble I have with imagining this is like, what was she feeling in that moment? It seems like, and as you, as we're gonna unpack this, it seems like nothing but unwavering conviction. Um, because there are some tidbits in the in the verses that play out that show that this was nothing but um, intentional. Um, and yeah, uh, Charles, you seem super excited. I want to hear what you're gonna say, so I'll I'll turn myself off. I just love it's so crafty. She's so crafty,
3: and like you said, Eli, intentional. Like, like, it, it, she he asks for water, and he gives, and she gives him milk. She she calms him down. Oh. I, she she goes out to him, come into my tent, let me lay you down. Like, it's very, she lures him into a false sense of security. And it's just, it's written matter of factly, but it's written matter of factly in a way that like elicit, like we talk often at, here at the well about how the Bible is literature. And like, I don't I, know, I, I'm not a writer, but Kayla and Jerrell, you guys are. And like, The way that this is written just like is very, very funny because it's like, oh, this is very serious, but it's like also intentional and the way it comes off is very like comedic almost.
1: Yeah, it's like total plot twist. It's like, boop, just kidding. Like, She killed him. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. And what I love, I think it's really intentional that we see this story right after Deborah's story right? Like there's a lot of parallels there. Um, Women didn't have a lot of power and any power, really any kind of um able, being able to make decisions, being able to be like political power holders, stakeholders in this time. And so the fact that we see Deborah, you know, tell this to Barack, and then he's like, oh, well, that you gotta come with me and, and she's like, fine. Like she's like brave and like she makes it happen. Then we see this kind of happen again this 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 man saying, oh, you need to do this for me. And she's like, sure, okay. And then she's brave, right? She's very prudent. like she's a very intentional. She makes a very politically savvy, you know decision in what she does. And it is, I mean, it's kind of amazing. Like now they have this alliance with the people that just put out his army. Like this is a huge deal and God is working through that. And I was thinking like, you know, this is so short, just like, just like what Eli was saying, like, we could just get this very brief thing. But as we know, that's not how real life happens. And so as a woman, I'm thinking like, was this guy a creep? you know, what What was he doing? What was the vibe he was doing? Was, was he, you know, touching? Was he saying things that were weird, you know, like, what was he demanding of her? Like, what did it look like to be in this tent? And I just love that she was like, not today, you know, and, and that, you know, it's like she was inspired by the Spirit of God. Like, this is in our history for a reason. Like, there was more things at play here so it's such a weird story and it's you know violent but the old testament is violent right this is before jesus (laughs) because i'm like i'm a i'm a i'm non-violent i'm a pacifist i don't you know like encourage violence but in this instance you know she did what needed to be done and she was brave and awesome
3: i love that uh she fulfills Deborah's prophecy, where she says, um, uh, and we talked about this in the last episode, um, where, uh, well, the Lord will sell Sisera into the hand of a woman, and it's a hand of Jael, and I also really appreciate, there's something here Uh, I did a little research. So uh, Jael would have been um, a Bedouin woman. Um, So these is uh, people who live in the desert. Um, And so hospitality to the Bedouin people is paramount. Um, If someone comes into your space, into your, you are entitled to serve them, to to offer them everything that you have. Um, This is part of the culture. And she did that, but then twisted it because she was inspired by the spirit. She got by bad vibes, whatever it was. And so she kind of went countercultural. Her actions were treacherous to her culture, countercultural against her role as a woman in that culture. But that was fulfilling God's will, not only uh, for what Deborah said, but also we know that uh, God used that action to subdue King Jabin. And it wasn't even until that point that the Israelites were able to subdue the Canaanites because even though the, the, the army was fleeing, it says in verse 23 that on that day that Sisera died was the day that the tide turned. Um, and so God through Giles' action, That's, that was the action. That brought uh, salvation to the Israelites for a time there,
2: um, and it's there's something really cool about that whole package. So one thing I'm really appreciating about verse 17 and how specific it gets, um, it says that Basista fled away on foot to the tent of Jael, the wife of Habir, the Kenite, for there was peace between Jeb and the king of Hazor and the house of Habir the Kenite. And so, um, one of the details that I like about this is that she did not call for her husband um i like the fact that she handled her business on her own and she did that at least what i'm getting from verse 17 because there was a there was peace between her husband and the king who sister served her general for and so i imagine it actually would have been a conflict of interest had she invited her husband in and said hey we need to take care of this guy and her i uh, because they were on good terms and so knowing full well what that was, she she actually knew who Sisera was. There was It's not as if there was a uh, some, I don't think there was a supernatural vibe. I think she was a prayerful one, but I don't think that there was, I think she knew exactly what the problem was. And I think to honor her well, we have to actually give credit where credit is due. And that is to say that she knew that Sisera and that ultimately Hazor was a problem for Israel. We know that the tribe that her family essentially descends from is from the is from what either the the brother-in-law or the father-in-law of Moses, and so Israel was close to to the Canaanites, right? There was there's history here, and so in her handling this oppressive man, that's what I meant earlier when I was talking about the intentionality that she exhibited. Yeah, it, and I like the fact before I was wondering, I was like, oh my gosh, she. She, that seems so brutal. There's a brutal pragmatism to how she nails. She, she, who does that? Who kills somebody like that? But like, is a trained soldier. No man or woman is going to, no untrained person is ever going to defeat a, a trained soldier. So you, there's a brutal pragmatism with which she's like, well, I, I got to put him to sleep. <laughs> I, <mean, laughs> I got to kill him when he's, when he's out. <laughs> and there's only so many things I got here. We have this tent.
0: I have milk and a tent peg,
2: and a tent peg, and <laughs> and I, I like the ingenuity. I like the intentionality. I'm about it. The architect,
1: <laughs> so prudent, just
0: yeah, like, boom, yeah. I yeah I, everything you all said, and just the willingness to be like, well, like you said, you're like, well, this is it. Like I like I know who this guy is. I know the context of everything around it. I Kind of have to do this, and it speaks to I hope I'm not repeating myself from our uh prior episode, but often in the way that men and women are, are ministered to, you see like very different parallels. And men and women do, as we've said, reflect different character, different aspects of the character of God. And so, I don't think that um, it's wrong for those to be slightly different, but often with men, it goes into the stereotype of, Oh, you're warriors, take the land, fight a lion, whatever. Um, and for women, it goes into the more like I have this ongoing joke with my wife of like the guy sessions for like Christian retreats, you just kind of get told you're kind of a piece of crap and you have to be better. And at the women's sessions, it's like, yeah, you're beautiful and you just cry. And just how like that's kind of the two camps that um in which both people are missed. And so when it comes to initiative and assertiveness and just kind of getting the job done, that's not teaching that's often afforded to women or equipped as like this is something that you can and should do and that's often like reserved for like we'll just kind of wait for the men to do and I love about this passage that like it's it kind of I think it if I were to find anything about this that's practical for for just day-to-day and normal not war times uh it's that there's something about when there is a matter of sin that reduces God's people, or endangers God's people, or threatens to upturn something that God Himself has established. There is an assertiveness, and like a directness, and like a willingness to be used as God uh kind of asks in the moment. That isn't specific to men, and isn't just like, a, oh, well, if you're a woman, kind of hang back and let someone else handle. And there's a sense of like, no, like we should be zealous in rooting sin out of our lives we should be zealous in combating lies from the enemy and our friends and in our children and so on we should be um assertive and aggressive and calling out attacks of the evil one whether it be in culture or wherever like those are things that threaten god's people in very different ways than like a general does But they do like they threaten the not just the well-being, but the souls of people of uh, those who God has called his own. And like that deserves and warrants our like full and undivided um, attention and intention to root that out. And that's something that, yeah, like husbands, fathers, men, please do it. Um, But wives, mothers, women, please do it. Um, because as you said, Kayla, like that's that's half the church, and if we're saying to half the church, don't be aggressive about rooting out sin or evil, then what are we actually doing? And so I really like that with this and with Deborah. It wasn't like we'll wait for someone else. It's like no, these are the, these are the people who are here who are willing to do it. So please go do it because God's people are in danger, and there's this zeal and um, holy aggression. <laughs> we'll put that on a t-shirt. Holy aggression. I, I love it. Here we it. go. <laughs> but. I, <laughs> But I think we need to have a man or woman in protecting the kingdom of God and protecting uh, the spiritually vulnerable around us. Yeah,
1: I think it's a good question to ask, like, at least for me, I want to know, like, why I grew up in church, why didn't I know this story? Like, that, this seems like kind of an interesting story, you know, we kind of sanitize, sanitize Scripture, which is just chock full of you know, there's some weird stuff in there, and my kids love it. Like they're like, "Hey, Dad, tell us." Yeah, we could talk about that on a different podcast, but you know, the Bible gets weird because life is weird, and things don't go according to plan, and people are people, and things happen. But I think you know, since the beginning of time, women have been using their intuition and using what they have to get stuff done, like whatever they have and whatever context they have they have been making it work and you know, we see that throughout um history and I think we see that this with Deborah and we see it with JL like they saw what needed to be done and they used what they had for the betterment of their people. and um, you know, they didn't need to be protected. They didn't need to be coddled like, they were the ones that were leading the charge, you know. Jail wasn't like, "Oh, I'm gonna like ask my husband what he thinks about this plan," or like maybe he should do it. Like she just acted on it, and you know, like obviously we don't want to be going out with tent pegs in the night and taking matters into our own hands. But thank you for guess,
0: that disclaimer. Yes, yes
1: yeah. just just so you know. <laughs> But I do think there's a lesson here, you know, like not all things we read are, you know, prescriptive, but like we were reading, like what you said, scripture is literature and like, what are the overarching themes that we're seeing here? Just like what you're talking about, Joelle.
2: I think it's also important in honoring Jael, um, her character and what she did is to look at the result of it. And so later on, outside of the verse that we have, outside of the passage that we've read, uh, in uh, Judges chapter 5, verse 31, at the end of it, it says, and the land had rest for 40 years. And so for multiple decades, Deborah's and Jael's actions directly, like God blessed Israel through them. And I think it's it's a big encouragement to understand that God works in the undercurrent of chaos, um, works through people, works um, through the through his church, through his body. and I think as an encouragement to uh, women and men, um but particularly to the to the women, since that's the focus of our season, is like don't doubt how God uses the things that you accomplish. Like because you bear the image and likeness of God himself, God has made you powerful because he's working powerfully through you. And I just I, I, I think it's important to understand that, we live in a culture that sees women in a very, very broken way. Um, and don't please resist the temptation to take that on as somehow what you're supposed to be. Um, yeah. I have a I have a bunch more thoughts on like God's sovereignty because today's been a day. I went to a funeral and the preaching was powerful by the woman who spoke the eulogy of her husband. But like, yeah, a lot, a lot. Um, but like... Pray for God's sovereignty to be how you, like, to be used in how you live your life. Um, God is good, and God works good in all things for those who love him. And, and like, this is an example of, like, wow, I didn't realize that <laughs> this could have been a good thing, driving a 10-peg through a guy's head, but, like, that actually was incredibly necessary for Israel. It brought peace. Um, it brought blessing, and that was how God worked. So praise be to him.
0: Absolutely. Um yeah moral of the story keep your 10 pegs in the ground but do recognize um especially uh women who are listening that god can and will use whatever you have for his glory for the good of those around you and for the advancement of the kingdom and be bold in like taking that uh ground for the kingdom as well um that's all for us this week kayla thank you so much for being on this has been a lot of fun
1: i Love it. I love it here. And I'm not even kidding. Like, somehow I'm going to find my way. Like, you guys come on upside down. Like, we we got to keep it, this conversation going. I, it's been so great. Thank you so much for having me.
0: Yes, please. Well, once we get the Midwives episode going, you'll definitely hear back from us. But yeah, we're buds now. So good luck getting rid of us. Um, if you want to connect with Kayla, you can go to KaylaCraig.com and check her out on Instagram at, at Kayla underscore Craig and at Liturgies for Parents. And that is all for this week. Thank you so much for listening. If you want, no, I had, I'm had i botching the admin again. You can check us out at thewell.podbean.com. We upload new episodes every Monday on Podbean, iTunes, Spotify, and Google Podcasts. You can also connect with us on Instagram and Facebook by searching Three Guys at the Well. And if you want even more content and would like to help this podcast grow, consider becoming a patron and head over to patreon.com forward slash at the well for exciting new bonus content, like our series on justice, our series on hope, and our recurring series of Jesus in the movies. We'll talk to you next week here at the well.